Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Get ready for the 2021 MLB season. I'm your host, Lou Nemphos, joined by my co-host and colleague, Maria Colon. And this is the first baseball podcast we're doing. We here at Manchester used to do an in-person program. And Maria's going to give you a little background on that and why we're doing this podcast. Well, since uh, 2006, I started a baseball program at the Manchester branch, but the first program is at the beginning of the season, and we discuss our predictions and what happened at the offseason. At the All-Star break, we recap the first half of the season, and at the end of the season, we recap what happened at the whole season and just discuss all things baseball. And we have a great group of fans who attend, and you would think they would be Yankee fans, Mets, and Phillies. Right. But we have Cincinnati Red fans, Braves, Cardinals, and a former Red Sox season ticket holder who became a Yankee fan because of Aaron Judge. See, what Maria. What do you think of that? It's never too late, Maria. <laughs> now, I'm a Philly fan, and I'm a Minnesota Twins fan. I grew up outside Philadelphia. And I loved going to the Phillies games, and I still love the Phillies today. And then when I was younger, my first Little League baseball team I was on, I was on the Minnesota Twins. My dad was the coach. We lost every game. But uh, I always loved the Twins from that. And Maria, tell me about your baseball history. Well, growing up, I would walk to Yankee Stadium and go to maybe 50 games a year. So you must be a huge Yankee fan, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) You've enjoyed all the championships. Tell me about it. I am not a Yankee fan. I am a Washington Senator slash Texas Rangers fan, and I follow the Mets in the National League. Now tell me, how did you become a Washington fan, a Senator fan? I'm just so curious. In 1969, Frank Howard hit a homer against the Yankees. I'm watching it on my uh, black and white console TV, and I said, that's the team for me. And you were a Yankee fan at the time. Well, I wasn't a fan. I just, you know, would watch baseball, but I was, I was only maybe 10. Okay. Yeah. But I wasn't really a Yankee fan. But then, that was the moment you fell in love with the Senators. Yes. And then, two years later, they moved to Texas? They moved to Texas. And then ever since then, diehard Texas Rangers Ever fan. since then, diehard. I watch every game on my MLB channel. So, I just want to do a little bit of rundown about how this podcast is going to go. We're going to recap last season real quick. We're going to talk about the off-season moves. We're going to do our baseball predictions. We're going to talk about a few rule changes, and then we're going to go over some great resources that the library has with regards to baseball, a few books. And I'm going to highlight this program now, but then we'll talk about it again later. But on August 26th at 6.30, we're going to have a live virtual session with the author Dan Gutman. He is known for writing a ton of great children's books. He has My Weird School, My Weirder School. But he also has another baseball series. And Maria, tell everybody about how great that series is. I just cannot get enough of reading Dan Gutman books. He has a series of baseball card adventures. Can you imagine touching a a baseball card from the 1920s and being transported to Yankee Stadium and hanging out with Babe Ruth? Or being transported in the 40s and hanging out with Satchel Paige? It's a great series. And you may say to yourself, well, I don't read kids' books. But if you love baseball, Dan Gutman, Baseball Card Adventure Series, you will love this series. So like I said, August 26th at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have him virtually live. He's going to talk how to write a story in nine steps. 
He will be talking about my weirder school, and he will be talking about the baseball card adventure. So if you like baseball, you definitely want to tune into that. But let's quick go over the 2020 season. Now, did you think we were going to have baseball in 2020? No, I really didn't. I didn't think so either. But they scraped together a 60-game season, and we saw the Dodgers beat the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. And what did you think of that World Series? I thought it was very exciting. I was rooting for the Dodgers, even though I, nine out of ten times I'm rooting for the underdogs, but I was rooting for Kershaw and uh, Mookie Betts. I think Tampa Bay would have won if they didn't take uh, Blake Snell out of that game. That's what I remember f from the World Series. That Kevin Cash, um, we talked about it earlier uh, before the show, but analytics and how um, Blake Snell has been hurt for a large part of his career, and supposedly when he faces a batter the third time through the lineup, he doesn't pitch as well, so he did give up a hit, and then they pulled him. But right before we got on, what were you saying about the, the batters that he was facing, and how did he fare during the game? In the inning uh, that Cash uh, took him out, he was going to face Betts, Seager, and Turner. They were 0-6 against him with six strikeouts, yeah. and Cash took him out. Cash took him out. And you could see uh, Mookie Betts' face in that dugout. It was like, wow, what a relief. But yeah. I think a problem in baseball today is uh, managers, even though you know Kevin Cash did a great job with uh, Tampa Bay last year. Great. Not taking anything away from that. But um, it's almost as if they're managing a computer game instead of managing the men and the actual situation exactly exactly then, but then we got to even say is it kevin cash or was that from the general manager saying if right. he gives up a hit he's coming out he's not pitching more than this many pitches baseball has become this like you said it's, it's run by a computer now so if they're saying okay he even though he struck out all six guys the fact that the next time he faces the third time they hit 300 against him so i was really upset about the move but then I was really upset about the guy they brought in, this guy Nick yeah. Anderson. They have so many other guys, and I, I just didn't like the guy that they brought in. And obviously it didn't work out. But now this season, we're playing 162 games. And what do you think about that? I hope it could finish 162 games, that everyone could play 162 games. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really exciting. We're off to a late start this year, but I'm really looking forward to it. And like we talked, every team right now is in first place. Anything can happen. You never know. That's right. So let's talk about our top five baseball offseason moves. So lots of stuff going on in the hot stove. Lots of players moving places. Some staying. This isn't one of the top five. But the Phillies, they kept their guys. So they were going to get rid of JT Realmuto. They were going to get rid of Gregorius. They re-signed them. So the Phillies didn't do much, but they kept their core. Now your team, the Rangers, what did the Rangers do this year? Uh, well, we got rid of our starter, Lance Lynn, and we really didn't do anything else. Well, oh, we, we traded got rid of captain. We, tra we traded, uh, well, he's not our captain, Well, but he should be. We traded uh, Elvis Andrews for uh, Chris Davis of the A's, and uh now Chris Davis is injured. Chris Davis is very good, though. He's a perennial. He hits oh, I 40 love home Davis. runs a season. And Not a, the Baltimore Chris Davis, mind you. And the Rangers had him, too. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about 
the team that everybody's talking about as the team that can challenge the Dodgers in the NOS, they didn't get one great pitcher. They got two. They got you, Darvish, and Blake Snell. What do you think about I that? I think they're going to be so exciting this year. I can't wait to watch them. After the Rangers are over at 11, 11.30, I'm putting the Dodgers and the Padres on. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, last year, you Darvish was 8-3 and three with a 2.01 ERA. He was second in the Cy Young to Trevor Bauer, who we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Now, Blake Snell, off injured in 2018, he went 21-5. and five. He won the Cy Young. But his other seasons, his win totals are 6, 5, 6, and 4. Is that the guy you're going to say can beat the Dodgers? Well, you don't know because uh, Kershaw, he's injured a lot because of his back. Yeah. So you just don't know. You're in a, you know, in a situation with a different environment, with a, a good, strong team now. You're going to step up maybe a little more. Well, they have you're Machado. Have Machado. You have Machado. They have Tatis that they yep. signed to a ridiculous contract. I don't think they have enough firepower to beat the Dodgers, but I think they're going to be very competitive, and I do believe they'll get a wild card if they don't win the division. And... and and you, Darvish, has to stay healthy. He's injured almost every year. Yeah. So he has to stay healthy. And let's talk about the Dodgers. They made a big splash by signing the 2020 Cy Young Award winner, Trevor Bauer. So do you think that cements the Dodgers as the prohibitive favorite to repeat? Well, I think with the Trevor Bauer, everyone makes a big deal about him. But when you look at his stats, they're really not impressive. I mean, in 2019, he had a 639 ERA. Last year, his ERA was 1.73. But career-wise, 75 and 64 with a 3.90 ERA. Now, is he coming into his own? Because last year, he did that with the Reds, who are were on the move up. But now that they lost Bauer, they're probably going to be, you know, middle of the pack. But now moving to the Dodgers, where they have literally an all-star lineup with yeah. Betts and Bellinger and Turner and Seager, and that the rotation of Kershaw and Bueller, and they even have David Price that they don't even right, know if they're going right. to start him or if he's going to close. I, I think he's done anyway. You think? I think he's done, yeah. I think he I th- can transition into being like a John Smolter, Dennis Eckersley. Like he can take and pitch that closing inning, and that's what they need, because Jansen has not been good over the past few years. That's been their weakest point so mm. I'm a Dodger guy I don't like the Dodgers personally but I think they're the best yeah. team because they've spent enough money and they've to me what made the Dodgers winners was Mookie Betts and I can't I believe agree. the Red, Red Sox got rid of them I it was just devastating to me I'm not a Red Sox fan yeah. either but I can't imagine being a fan like that and getting rid of a generational player so we'll have to see now the third biggest move Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals what do you think I think the cards are going to be much better, and between him and Goldschmidt, they'll hit like 60 homers. Yeah. It's funny. From 2015 to 2019, he averaged 40 home runs and 120 RBIs per season. But he did play in Colorado. So everybody believes that statistics are inflated there due to the atmosphere. When I was at a game, I went to a game a couple years ago, what looked like routine fly balls, they would go out of the park. So I think it does make a difference. I know that St. Louis is not a hitter's park. It's a big, big, wide-open stadium. But I think he's going to be good. And I think that they have a really good chance to win that division. And now let's get to, you can tell me about Francisco Lindor to the Mets. What do you think? I think this is the biggest Met trade in Met history. I think it's bigger than Piazza coming to New York, Hernandez, and Gary Carter. I think this is huge. I think the media. Now tell me about the owner. 
Oh, uh, Steve Cohen? Yes, yes. You think he wants to win, right? Oh, yeah, he's a Met fan. Okay. He's a Met fan. He wants to win. But he said that he doesn't want to, the quote was, he doesn't want to be a drunken sailor and spend all his money. So uh, win in 60 games instead of looking at the big picture and build a solid team for like a good six years. Okay. But um, I think they're going to sign Lindor. I think uh, New York media and him being in New York. They're going to embrace him. They're going to embrace him, and I think he's going to have an incredible year. I think he's going to it's he's going to be really, and he's a whole package. Did you ever he's think a fielder, they, he's just, did just you ever incredible. Did you ever think uh, Wilpon, the Wilpons would sell the Mets? Oh, yeah, I was hoping that they would. Because right? They were, I think they were awful owners. Yeah. They were yeah. awful owners. In City Field, there was no uh, Met Museum in there. Yeah. There was nothing for the New York Mets yeah. in City Field. Right. Until fans started complaining. Sure. And a few years later, oh, well, there's a Met Museum in City Field now. Yeah. And people say, well, you know, it was because of Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Madoff and he lost some money. Sure, sure. But it wasn't. Wilpon, I think he's... Well, he's a terrible owner. Lindor is coming into his own. He's a four-time All-Star. He's a two-time Gold Glove. He's a five-tool player. Yeah. I've always been a big fan, and I think that's a devastating loss for Cleveland. Yeah. Cleveland's always been a team hanging around. They went to the World Series a few years ago against the Cubs. They couldn't get it done, and now I feel like they're going to be rebuilding again. Yeah, he's going to be the New York darling, that man. And then let's talk about the last big move, we'll say. Uh, George Springer to the Blue Jays. He won the MVP. In 2017, when the Astros won the World Series, he's a three-time All-Star, lifetime 270 hitter. What do you think? Do you think he's going to make a difference for the Blue Jays? No, I don't think uh, the Blue Jays are going anywhere, and I don't think he's going to make a difference. And they gave him, a, I think, a, what was it, $150 million contract? Six-year, $150 million contract. Biggest contract in Toronto Blue Jay history. And he's a cheater. So I really can't watch him. I liked him in the, with the Astros before this cheating scandal was exposed. Yes. And he was fun to watch. He was exciting with Altuve and Correa. Yeah. But um, Bregman, that, yeah, yeah, sure. He's a cheater. He also has durability issues. Um, he did play 162 games in 2016, but in every other season he missed at least 22 games. He's had a bunch of bizarre injuries, strained hamstrings, quad strain, wrist fracture, concussion. <laughs> I don't think, at, we talked about yeah. at 31, yeah. you pay this guy, because yeah. I don't think he'll be doing anything at 37. But the Blue Jays are trying to compete, and unfortunately in these smaller market teams, it's like they can sign one guy, and that's it. And so that's it. that was the guy. Let's move into our 2021 baseball predictions here. This is part of the program that you do, and right. I love, I've gone to your baseball program for years, and I love doing this. So tell us about what we're going to be doing now. Uh, we talk about our baseball predictions. For example, how many homers will Aaron Judge hit? So you fill this uh, form out before the beginning of the season and at the end of the season we take a look at it and you'll be surprised that, oh, Joe got eight right or someone got ten right. Yes. And um, it's just a lot of fun to go back and look at it. Say, hey, you know, I knew that Bryce Harper was going to hit 38 homers this, this year. And this form <laughs> will be available where you got this yeah. podcast. If it's on our website, there's going to be a link to a PDF where you can download this form and you can fill it out as well. So we'll go over our predictions real quick. And then, if you, like I said, if you want to, you too can print this out and, and follow along and see how you do. And you just mentioned it. Our number one is, how many home runs will Aaron Judge hit this year? 
I think he's going to hit 31 because I don't think he's going to play a full season because he's always injured. Yeah, I have 35 home runs. He did miss 50 games in 2018. He missed 60 games in 2019. He did hit 52 home runs one season, and he's the tallest player, 6'7", to hit 50 home runs. We talked about earlier before the podcast, too, that you were saying for Stanton and Judge, stop lifting the weights. That's what's causing the problem. So do you think he can stay healthy this year? If he maybe doesn't lift all those weights, uh, who knows? Yeah. But he really hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. Yeah, I agree. All right, so how many home runs will Bryce Harper hit? I said 38. I changed this four times. I had originally 33, and then I changed it to 40, and then I went to 38, and my last answer is 36. And that's because his high ever is 42. And he hits between like 35 and 38. And uh, he's a big time double hitter, and he walks a ton too. So they pitch around him, and, and he'll take the walk, he'll take the base. If he hits 36 home runs, I would be happy. Let's go to number three. How many home runs will Pete Alonzo hit this year? 55. 55, wow. 55, yeah. If he stays healthy, I think he'll hit 55 homers. I had 44 originally. I upped it to 48. In 2019, he hit 53 home runs. It's the most by a rookie ever. And last year, he was on pace to hit over 50 if they would have played a full season. I think that the Mets... This season, I think they're going to be the most competitive that they've been in years, and he's going to be the bat in the lineup with him and Lindor. Lindor. So, yeah, he's very impressive to me. And then we're going to go back with another Met, back-to-back. How many games will Jacob deGrom win this season? 18. Okay, I have 15. His high ever is 15. Now, in 2018, when he won the Cy Young, he won 10 games. And in 2019, when he won the Cy Young, he won 11 <laughs> games. It's unbelievable. Like, in that season, he would have, like, 33 starts and 10 wins. But he, his ERA would be under two. They just got him no run support. So I have 15 wins. I just don't know why they can't score runs for him. Now, maybe the team doesn't hit because they go, we got this guy that's going to only give up one run. So we don't really – I don't know the mentality, but – I think he has a chance to win the most games ever, but I'm staying with 15. John Matlack syndrome with the Mets. They he was great too. Yeah. No run support. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he would lose two to one, one nothing. It's, it's so just, funny that know. like before, I guess Felix Hernandez was the first guy, and like 10 years ago he won. He was 12 and 12, and he won the Cy Young, and everybody went wild and said. There are people that won 20 games. How could this guy win the Cy Young? But all his statistics, the strikeouts, the whip, the ERA. Yeah, like, yeah a few no-hitters in there, too. Yeah. We will see. And now, how many games will Garrett Cole win? 21. Okay, now his high is 20. And uh, well, just like we talked about. So, in 2018, he won 20 games on 33 starts. Now, that same season, DeGrom... Had 32 starts and won 10. And their statistics were pretty much identical. So you can see that Cole got the run support and DeGrom didn't. I have him winning 19 games. And now we're going to go to how many games will Aaron Nola win of the Phillies? Well, I had to put some Phillies in there. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Uh, 15. Okay. I have 14. Um, in 2018, he won 17 games. 
Um, and then he regressed. I just don't know. I mean, hopefully Girardi will pitch him, but I know that for him especially, they would pitch him till the fifth. Sometimes he wouldn't even get a quality start. They would take him out in the sixth. Like, they're very cautious. But we grew up in an era where people would pitch complete games. Right. They would pitch every third game. Right. And now it's pitch counts and analytics and so we'll see. It's ruining baseball. Yeah, you think? It's ruining baseball. But you yeah. still love it, right? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now let's go to our predictions of who's going to win the divisions. So, who do you think is going to win the AL East? I hate to say it, but it's the Yankees. And why do you think it's the Yankees? Is there any team in that division that can compete? No. I agree with you. There's no one in that division. I agree. I think that the Orioles are going to be really bad. Boston. I think I, Boston will be around 500. I think the Blue Jays will be around 500. And I think the Tampa Bay losing Blake Snell, it's a yeah. big loss. And I think that they'll be lucky to be around 500. But I, I think the Yankees have a, a pretty solid team. And if they can stay healthy, that's their big concern. Because every year, Stanton gets hurt, Judge gets hurt, their pitching gets hurt. You know, they'll score eight runs a game. Yeah. So even if Cole pitches great... And everyone else isn't pitching well. Right. You know, Montgomery's pitching well now, too, like in the spring. Yes. Yes. They'll win just on that heading alone. Yes. They will. They have a good bullpen, too. They always have good, good relief pitchers. Okay, who's going to win the AL Central? I think it's going to be the White Sox. I agree with you there. I, okay, man, I'm a Twins fan, and they make the playoffs. And they've lost 18 straight playoff games. Right. And usually it's to the Yankees, and last year it was to Houston. But they cannot win. So I'm picking the White Sox. I like what they've done. I like Lynn. I like Abreu. I like the team. But I think they yeah. have the pitching to do it. I yeah. do. Yeah. And how about the AL West? I think it'll be Houston. Really? Because I think it's that's also a weak division. I think the A's will get the wild card. They're always competitive, the A's. Uh, Seattle's not ready yet, and the Rangers aren't going anywhere. So yeah. I think it's going to be um, Houston. Well, I'm going to pick the team you didn't mention. I'm going to pick the Angels. Now, I think that the Angels are going to be good every single season. I think Mike Trout is the best player I might have ever seen. I, if you would have asked me before, I would have said Barry Bonds. Right. But unfortunately, Barry would have been great even without the steroids. Mm -hmm. I really think that he would have. He was. He was fantastic. But... I think Mike Trout's the best player I've ever seen, but he's only been in three playoff games, and they spend money. They spend money they spend on Kubos. Money. They, they spend, spend money, money on Otani. They spend money, money on, on Josh, Josh Hamilton. On C.J. Wilson. They yep. try. I don't know if it's their, their scouts or their general manager or what happens, but when people go to Los Angeles to play with Mike Trout, they're just not as good. But I'm hoping this year, due to the weak division, and like I said, I think the cheating with Houston really made them a lot better. And without Verlander, I think that uh, I'm going to pick the Angels. I'll probably be wrong, but I'll take a chance. I think you changed my mind on that, Lou. <laughs> I do. Well, I don't want to root for Houston. Yet. And I, I feel like they got off easy, oh, and they, they sure really did. got off easy. And now I hope the fans give it to them this year. when Because they didn't have to play in front of fans last year, and... Um, We'll see. I mean, Dusty Baker is a great manager, yeah. so I root for him. But losing Springer, too, I mean, they've lost a lot of pieces. Yeah, so the Angels. The Angels might not be the pick. The A's would probably be the smart pick yeah. because they're always, they always win 90 yeah. games with, with guys you've never heard yeah. of. 
All right, now let's go to the uh, National League. Who's going to win the NL East? Uh, I think it's going to be the Mets. Yeah, you think? I do. I think this is. I think the Lindor trade did it. Yeah. I think it pushed them over. Well, they've got some great pitching too. Yeah. But, but will they Lindor. be healthy? Will Syndergaard be healthy this year? That's a big if. I'm picking the Braves. The Braves are always solid. They've got a lot of good young talent. I mean, growing up to me, it was Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, Avery. They they won like I don't know, like 14 out of 15 divisions. But they They're only like won the World Series. Yes. They can't win the World Series either. They did win once. They beat Cleveland. Yeah. But, but yeah, they I couldn't beat the Yankees. I think the Braves have a, a, a solid team. I like Freddie Freeman a lot. That's a very interesting division because the Nationals won the World Series yeah, two years right. ago. What happened to the Nationals? Why are we counting out the Nationals? And the Phillies, I just don't think they have the pitching. I think they have the hitting, but I don't think they have any pitching. Where the Yankees might not have the starters, but they got the bullpen. The Phillies don't have a bullpen. They got one guy from Tampa Bay, Jimenez, who throws like 90, 99 miles an hour. Ridiculous. But you just can't have one guy. You got to right. have five or six guys that you can bring in. So I'm going with the Braves. Now, how about the NL Central? The Cards. I agree. I think that the Cubs have taken a step back. I think the Brewers will be somewhat competitive, but the Pirates are, aren't very good, and uh, the Reds are building. So I'm going with the Cardinals as well. And how about the NL West? Will it be the Padres, or are you picking the Dodgers? I'm picking the Dodgers. Okay, I'm picking the Dodgers good. as well. Unless injuries, and, and injuries have plagued Kershaw in the past, his back. But I just think they have a legit all-star team. So I, I think that the Dodgers are going to win. Now, who do you have as your World Series matchup? The Dodgers and the White Sox. Okay, all right. Because I can't pick the Dodgers <laughs> and the Yankees, so I'm picking the White Sox. <laughs> I'm picking the Dodgers and the Yankees. And that would be great because they haven't met since 1981, and that was a huge rivalry growing up. So it would be great to see it 40 years later. I do think they're the best two teams in baseball, and I think it would be great to see them play. I don't like either team, mind you, but I like players on each team. So that's what I would want to see. I think a lot of people would want to see that, both teams winning 100 games and then meeting in the playoff. Who is your World Series winner, and who's your World Series MVP? Uh, Dodgers and Mookie Betts. I agree. I agree. I have the same thing. I think Mookie Betts is electric. I think he's one of the best players in the game. And I just think the Dodgers are, are too loaded. Yeah. So just two more things we're going to go over real quick. Your AL MVP. Mike Trout. I agree. I believe he's won four of them, four or five of them. And he's just, if he doesn't get hurt. Now here too, he's been hurt here and there. And how about your NL MVP? Manny Machado. Manny Machado. Okay. I'm picking Mookie Betts. I, I think Mookie Betts is, is just great. Five-tool player. And I think he's coming into his prime. Yes, he is. And how about your AL Cy Young? I'm sorry to say this. Garrett Cole. That's who I have as well. I think he's the best <laughs> pitcher in the American League. And how about your NL Cy Young? You Darvish. Really? I'm a big Hugh Darvish fan. I um, I liked him uh, when he was with uh, Texas. And I think uh, at the age of 34, he's finally coming into his own. So last year I, he finished second. Yeah. And he yeah. had that 201 ERA. 2.01 ERA. So if he, if he stays healthy, I think he'll win the Cy Young Award. I'm picking Jacob DeGrom. 
If he can win 18 games like you suggest, there's no way he'll lose because his stats are always consistently great. I don't ERA under three all the time, close to two strikeouts, whip, just an excellent pitcher. And I think with getting Lindor, Alonzo, the way the team's going, I think the Mets are going to be better. I think they could easily win 90, 95 games. DeGrom's going to benefit from that. Oh, maybe we'll have a Subway Series. Well, we had it before. Maybe. Was that 2000? Yeah, two, I think it was 2000. Yeah. And so. the Mets lost because of Derek Cheater. <laughs> well, we Who talked else? earlier before the podcast. What do you think about the Baseball Hall of Fame induction not having a ceremony in Cooperstown this year? And it's Jeter. What do you think about that? They said that that was going to be the, one of the biggest crowds they've ever, they've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. I think it's a shame. Uh, I think he was a great player, and you know, I am not a Yankee fan, but I did enjoy watching Jeter play. Now, do you think I, they should wait until COVID's over to induct him, or have a oh, that's a, a good question, a ceremony a year later where fans can come? Now, you're a you're a big Ranger fan, right? Adrian Beltre, right? Right. He's a He's probably one of your favorite Rangers. He sure is. He's going to the and Hall I'm going. of Fame. Now you're going. I'm going. But if it was this year, you'd want to wait, right? Until you could be there in person, right? Yeah. I don't know if they'll do that, though. Yeah. They should. And then yeah. they could have a bunch of players go in together. You or should. maybe they can induct you them. You should contact them. That's a great <laughs> idea. You well, should write contact them. They're going to lose millions of dollars. Yeah. Like I mean, it's in Cooperstown, New York. I mean, it would sell out like that. And I always love watching that too. I've never, yeah. go, I've been to the Cooperstown mm. when I was nine, but I've never gone to a, a induction ceremony. I would love it. I yeah. think it would be the best. So let's transition real quick into the rule changes. So we're just going to go over a couple rule changes, and we'll talk about we, what we think of them, and we'll just talk about some that they're working on now in the minors that they're testing out to see if maybe these could be things for the future of MLB. So in 2020, pre-COVID. They made one big rule change, and that was the three batter minimum. So before, when a relief pitcher would come in, he could pitch one pitch to a batter and then come out. Or he didn't even need to throw a pitch because if the manager on the other team brought in a right. pinch hitter, then the he could go to the bullpen and take him out and bring in a different pitcher. So now it's a three batter minimum unless the pitcher completes the inning or leaves due to injury. What do you think of that? Um, I agree, because how many times do you see four uh, pitchers, like in the eighth inning, one batter, one pitcher, he's out. The next hitter, they'll bring someone else in. And that's what's slowing down the game. Yeah, so all this, these rules are designed to speed up the game. That's what's slowing down the game. They, keep, they use too many pitchers. Well, they cut it, the mound visits down. So if a pitcher's out there, one mound visit, and then the second time he's got to come right. out. So I think that's a good thing. I don't like it personally because I think that it takes away a lot of the strategy. Because if you got a guy, a left-hander's up, and you got a great guy, left-handed thrower right. that gets out left-handers, and the next two guys are right-handers, what are you going to do? So I, I think it takes away a lot of the strategy, but I do understand why they're doing it. Let's go to another one. that they Now, these two were due to COVID, and I don't know if they'll keep them after seven-inning doubleheaders. What do you think? If this is because of COVID, I'm okay with it. Otherwise, I'm not. I, it affects stats. Baseball, you play nine innings unless it's raining and they call the game off. It's nine innings. Baseball is a nine-inning game. It's not seven innings. 
This is not Little League. I like that they can get two games done in about four and a half hours. I like that the games are more exciting. Everything matters more because you're taking away the two innings that are the least interesting. And now with baseball, you're starting to pay attention really in like the seventh because it's like seventh, eighth, and ninth. You're there's okay. Who's going to come in and pitch the seventh? Who's going to pitch the eighth? Who's going to pitch the ninth? And the lineups and everything. Will that guy get another chance to bat? I just think that now that would start with the fourth or the fifth. I think it encourages pitcher health because now what happens is starters pitch five innings, and then you got to have all these relievers come in. And now they can pitch five, and they only have to have a couple bullpen guys. I think it would encourage the scheduling of more double headers because if you you've gone to double headers yes. and you're there, you know, for what 10, 12 hours sometimes. I want to go to a doubleheader. <laughs> I don't want to go to a day-night doubleheader. I want to go to a doubleheader. Yeah. Well, they stopped having them, yeah. really, because they used to just have, you know, be like a twilight doubleheader. Yeah, right. It started four or whatever, and then that's the way it would go. But now they have the day-night. There's one in the... So you pay. You want to go to the day, or do you want to go to the night? Right. So I like it in that sense that you can go watch two and not spend the entire day there. And then this, extra innings... Runners start on second base. This is just for the regular season. What do you think? No, no, no. I think it's an <laughs> abomination of the game. Less than 9% of games were played in extra innings since like 2015. Yes. And in 2017, I'm pretty sure it was maybe 7.5%. And some say the games are too long, but the three batter minimum will relieve that. Yes. And this rule wasn't in the playoffs last year. Well, right. I agree with it there, but it's similar to the shootout in hockey. They have it during the regular season. They don't have it during the playoffs. Same with football. They have an overtime rule in the regular season, but in the playoffs, they play it out. So I think it's great for the regular season. I don't want to watch a 17 or 18 inning game. I have no interest. Last year, there were 77 extra inning games. 54 of those games ended after one inning. A 70% mark. That was up from 45%. And then 92% of the games ended by the second inning, so the 11th inning, compared to 69% in the previous two seasons. So I think for the regular season, it's fine. How many times have you watched the game and you fall asleep and you wake up and you go, oh, I missed, I missed the game? Because it's the 14th inning. It's one in the morning and you want to watch the game. So I, I think it's good for regular season. I, I wouldn't have it in the playoffs, but I like it. I think MLB knows it's a bad idea, and it's a bad <laughs> idea. No, no, no. Don't do it. And I just want to get back to the uh, seven-inning doubleheaders. Yes. So you have um, Jacob deGrom. Yes. Is pitching a no-hitter. Perfect. Seven-inning no-hitter. Perfect it, game. That's it. Asterisk. Not to me. That's the length it's of the game. It's not nine innings. Eh, does that matter? So what happens if you pitch a game in seven inning and it goes to the rain? It gets rained out. It's still a perfect game. It's still a no-hitter. Yeah. They don't, they're not going to start that game tomorrow or whatever. They're, it's over. What it's about Mike Trout? He hit a homer, a double, a triple. Yeah. Now he just needs a single. But, oh, no, he's not going to get another bat. He won't get the cycle. Well, I feel like baseball purists are all about stats and records and stuff like that. Like, I don't think the season should be 162 games. I would say 140 would be fine. I, I think there's too many games. And I, I think it's fatigue. I think so many people are getting hurt. They're playing more. And now, like we talked about, a lot of these athletes are. Before, growing up, they were regular guys. Right. Now, they work out like crazy. Yeah. They're destroying their bodies. They're throwing pitches. 
They're they're armed. They're throwing a hundred miles an hour plus. They're destroying their bodies. So I think less is more in that sense. You know what's interesting? MLB went to the players and said, "Don't play 162 games. Maybe play 150. Yes. Whatever the amount of games yes. it was in the ball, and we'll pay you the same amount of money." Yes. And what did the ball players say? They said no. They said no. And I don't understand why. They said no. They we'll say no. Play 162 games. They say no matter what. They said if if you play 80 games, we'll pay 160. They say no. They just say no. It's a very bizarre relationship that the players and the league have with each other. So let's go to a couple quickly. We'll go to the rule changers for the minors that they're talking about. And tell me if you like any of these, and if you'd like to see these implemented in the major leagues in the near future. Number one. Larger bases. So in AAA this year, the bases are going to go from 15 inches to 18 inches. What do you think of that? I like it because we need more uh, stolen bases and hits. I agree with you. I agree. It's designed to create stolen bases and to protect runners while on the base paths, as well as generating more hits and more men on base. We talked about it earlier before the podcast. Baseball has become an analytical thing where it's strikeout, walk, or home run. That's it. That's all you're doing. And they're fine saying to Joey Gallo, we don't care if you strike out 200 times this season right. if you hit 40 home runs. Right. That's what we pay you to do. We don't pay you to get bunt hits or go the other way. I think it'll be great. I grew up with base stealers. Ricky Henderson, Vince Coleman, these guys, 100 stolen bases. And now if somebody gets 25 stolen bases in a season, it's an accomplishment. So I'm all for more men on base, more runs, more action. So I think it'll be good. You know, everyone, like you said, everyone is swinging for the fences. Yes. Even ball players that are heading around the uh, Mario Mendoza line, which is a 200. <laughs> right. And there's a guy on second base, and there's no one out. Maybe you want to bunt to bring him over to third, but this 180 hitter yes. is swinging to the fences. Yep. There's one guy on the Mets, Jeff McNeil. That guy hits for contact. And he batted over, I think, like 370 last year, something ridiculous, because he hits for contact. That's what I grew up. Hitting runs, stolen bases, move the runner, generate runs. And that's lost in this game. Name of the game, get on base, move the runner over. If you get on base with a walk, you throw your elbow out there, you get hit by your pitch. Move the runner over, get on base. Right. Get him to second base with one out. Right, I agree. Now, this leads to what we're going to start talking about, but rule number two, they're going to start in double-A, infield positioning. All four infielders must have both feet on the infield dirt. So that's to prevent the shift shift. in a sense where right now when they do a shift, there's the first baseman, there's the second baseman, there's the shortstop, he's in like like right center and then there's the third baseman and he's on second base right so i think it would be great if everybody had to be on the dirt what do you think you know i agree and i think that this will eventually eliminate the shift but ball players should hit against the shift i agree hit against the shift you have second and third is wide open i know and you're hitting towards the shift isn't it maddening too when there's runners on base and and all you could all you have to do is Hit it opposite field, field, and it's guaranteed. Guaranteed, guaranteed. And they can't do it. Now, they're talking about for the second half of the season, they're going to try it where there needs to be two fielders on either side of second base. So you'll have the traditional way. That's it. 
Now, I hate that they have to implement these rules, but like you said, the way that they can beat it is if the batters can hit against the ship. I think that's the key. And Dave Kingman with the Mets in the 70s, he figured that all out. And he was a big-time home run hitter. Right. He wasn't some average guy. Right. I agree. I agree. And Mike Trout said if he would change anything in the game, that's what he would change. He would change the shift. Yeah. Okay, so we'll run through these real quick right now. There's a step-off rule and only two pick-off attempts per batter. So the idea is you have to step completely off the rubber before throwing the first, and you only get two pick-off attempts per batter. You can try it a third time. But if the runner returns safely to their base, it's a balk and they get the base. So what do you think of this? This is designed to speed the game up so there isn't like 15 throws over to first base. What do you think? You know, I'm on the fence on this one. Um, I think, for example, like a pitcher is going to try to pick off Trey Turner maybe more than three times. Then it's a walk. It's a balk. So how many times do you see an error? I agree. You know, pitcher's throwing it first, so there's an error. It's going towards the dugout. It's going towards right field. And then the first baseman will pick the ball up and he'll throw it a second and then there's another error. Yeah. And that's exciting. I agree. I just think it will create more stolen bases because people will have bigger leads. Because once you make that second throw over, mm. and now if you throw over a third time, then it's going to be a balk. You probably won't throw over and then it'll have a big lead. So if it generates more action, I'm all for it. And what they're going to start doing in low A. This is very controversial. But they're going to do automatic umpires for balls and strikes. What do you think? Amen. I agree. I can't believe I would say that. But how many times have you watched a game? And you're watching, and they have the screen now, and it's not a strike. Right. Or it's a strike, and we talked about before the podcast. Yeah. If you're Jacob deGrom, you get that call. If you're Kyle Gibson, are you going to get that, that call? Right. No, right. you're not. You know, The bottom line is at the end of the day... Home plate is 17 inches wide. That's right. If it touches the corner, it's a strike. And if it doesn't, it's a ball. And there still will be a home plate umpire there. And it's designed to assist home plate umpires in calling balls and strikes. So let me just real quick just go over again. August 26th at 6.30 p.m., we're going to have a live virtual program with Dan Gutman the author of Baseball Card Adventures. And he's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about his other books. And he's going to talk about how to write a story in nine steps. What do you think, Maria? I think it went great. I can't I wait do. for I'm this excited. season. Right? We're all in first place. <laughs> Go Rangers. This is the year. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> My name's Lou Nemphos. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back around the All-Star break to go over some things. And we'll have another podcast then. Thank you so much for listening.